Hey everyone, welcome to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. In the Mobile User Acquisition Show, we talk about how to use mobile user acquisition strategies to grow your app quickly and capital efficiently. The Mobile User Acquisition Show is presented by me, Shamant Rao, mobile growth leader and founder and CEO of the mobile growth consulting firm, Rocketship HQ. Each episode includes strategies, tips, and pointers from the leading edge of mobile user acquisition that you can use to unlock tremendous growth for your app in a sustainable and capital-efficient manner. Our guest today on the Mobile User Acquisition Show is Andy Carville, the founder and partner at the Berlin-based mobile growth consultancy, Feature. Before founding Feature, Andy led the retention team at SoundCloud he has drive some massive experimentation-driven growth. He's also known for his mobile growth stack, a framework that I've found impressive both in its comprehensiveness and simplicity. In today's conversation, we talk about in-app messages, which can sometimes be underappreciated as a retention strategy, especially compared to PNs and emails. And he outlines why they work, when they work, and talks about the tremendous impact they can have. He gives the example of a 4,000% uplift in engagement that they have tried even when these in-app messages were untargeted. I'm excited for an in-depth view into an underrated but very powerful strategy that this interview with Andy provides. I'm very excited to welcome Andy Carvel, co-founder at Feature to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Absolutely. Uh, I'm excited to have you also because I feel like our paths have crossed virtually so often. And certainly your writings are very much held in very high regard, not just by myself, but so many people across the mobile space, starting from your mobile growth stack to everything else you've written since then. So this is something I'm very excited for today. That's very kind of you to say so. Thanks for the kind words. And uh, yeah, it's always always great to know that uh, people are getting something out of the, the stuff that we publish. Yeah. Absolutely. And today we're going to talk about uh, in-app messages and uh, some of the events you guys have unlocked using in-app messages. To get started, can you tell us what in-app messages are? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited to to talk about this topic. I, I, I've been talking about in-app messages most chances I get lately, um, simply because I really believe they're like the, the golden channel for mobile right now. Um, but uh, yeah, so exactly what, what is a, an in-app message? It's uh, essentially like a small like user interaction unit um, that's delivered like from a server-side platform, typically a mobile engagement platform like a Braze or a Lean Plum or a CleverTap. And the way it looks and, and the way it behaves is really kind of down to the marketer um, that's deploying it and the capabilities of the delivery platform itself. Some platforms allow more flexibility with the formats, but typically we're talking about pop-up or a modal window that, that kind of pops up and, and displays a message. Could have a, an image, typically some text, and, and one or more buttons. Um, could be a full screen interstitial, could be something that just slides up like a little kind of slide up or a or popover. There are many different formats really, but like the, the common denominator is it's something that's essentially overriding the, the standard interface of the app. And you can make them look however you want, uh, particularly with, you know, some of the platforms do allow you to build out essentially what's a small HTML5 web view. And then you can even include like CSS and JavaScript and, and really make them look completely native actually. Indeed. So 
for a layperson, would it be fair to say these are the mobile equivalents of pop-ups? I, th I think you can, you can simplify to that. I think that's, that's the bit that's probably the easiest for people to understand. They're, they're segmented, triggered uh, pop-up messages, essentially. Yes, gotcha. Uh, when you think about ways in which you can target users of an app, users mm -hmm. who already started using an app via lifecycle campaigns, in-app messages will typically impact users who are already using an app mm -hmm. as opposed to, let's say, PNs and emails that you can use to target people who may not be actually inside an app, right? So I imagine that's uh, an essential difference between how in-app messages work versus PNs and emails, which are sort of more well-known, sort of more mainstream, you could say. So with that context, what are some of the typical use cases or strategic goals for which you would recommend using in-app messages compared to other forms of retention strategies like PNs or emails? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, again, really good question. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's really important to sort of acknowledge the different dynamics of these different channels uh, that you can use when, when kind of building out a, a retention strategy or a CRM strategy. Um, so like, just like push notifications and emails, um, these things are typically deployed through an engagement platform or a marketing automation platform, um, which means that you get proper measurement of impact around what you're doing. Um, the server-side deployment aspect allows you to iterate quickly on new ideas and deploy things without an app store release. Um, and you can target either like all users, but you're right, absolutely just the, the only ones that are gonna see it are like inside the app. That's a key difference versus push and email, which are mm -hmm. channels which you can use to bring people back into the app. Um, and you can segment down to like an individual user level. Like a, and uh, I guess one of the key differences uh, before we get into the use cases um, would be with in-app messages, not only are you only able to reach those active users, but there's also kind of another dimension to it, which is like how you how these are actually triggered. Like typically you would trigger them on a certain event. That, that event could be app open, or it could be that you you pop up or you know like display this message uh, right after a user has done a certain action or when they land on a certain screen. So you can you can show them like in a very textual moment that's kind of a key part of the, the user journey. So uh, yeah, back to your question, you're right, you can only reach those active users, although what you are able to do is chain them. Um, you know, one, one of the approaches we use a lot of feature is to use a kind of a multi-channel approach. So we might use a push notification or an email to, to get the user's attention, bring them back into the app, and then the segmentation would, would work basically on popping up that message, like right. when they open the app, based on having them just clicked on that push or, or in app camp, uh, email campaign. So you can kind of chain these, these campaigns together and, and leverage the, the strengths of the different channels. But then, yeah, in terms of the actual use cases, the things that we've seen working really well, I mean, that's, it's, they're pretty numerous, but um, I'd say some of the ways that you can really leverage in-app messages that almost always works great, um, onboarding, you can really kind of supplement your existing product onboarding by segmenting users who kind of haven't got to activation point or haven't sort of experienced or tried out certain features um, by kind of like popping up an, a message and actually taking them straight to that feature, educating them about that feature for the users who haven't tried it. Um, upsell, I think is the key one, you know, any kind of monetization efforts like conversion to subscription, being you know, everyone's trying to do subscription apps these days. Yeah. Um, you can really iterate very quickly on your, your conversion messaging, your, um, you know, your value prop, uh, the benefits that you're pushing and, and 
and, and get a very measurable and quick kind of feedback loop in terms of what's working and, and really improve your, your conversion rates. Content recommendation, I have an example from Blinkist. We, uh, we worked with Blinkist recently um, to help them implement some in-app messages to do content recommendation. When they were recommending a sort of a promoted book that week, which wasn't even segmented actually, they just wanted to do a quick test to go to the whole user base just to see how valuable that would be to be able to push like one piece of content as like a promoted book that week. And there's like a 4,000% uplift in users wow. who, who, who read that particular book after receiving that message. That I think is, yeah, super impressive, but also like you have to understand the dynamics of the, the messaging channel. We're basically getting right in everyone's face with a, a pop-up that says, hey, check out this book. So a lot of people are gonna click it, but especially when it's new, there's probably also a little bit of halo effect there. But uh, I think what was also super interesting from that experiment was there was a 6.5% overall increase in engagement with any book. So that was a really interesting kind of um, you know dynamic that we saw is that by just pushing any content whatsoever, um, we saw an overall uplift, like on an aggregate uplift in engagement across the thing, so across across the whole user base. So it seemed to just stimulate people to go and explore books in general, even if they weren't interested in the, in the one that we promoted. Yeah. Uh, find a couple of other um, you know use cases. I, I could go on all day, to be honest. Yeah. But like, um, yeah. but uh, surveys, I think, is a really big one, particularly since if you're kind of building slightly more advanced in-app messages in JavaScript, for example, you can you can ping results of surveys like straight back into your CRM system, which okay. means that you're enriching that user profile with their response to a question, and you're doing that in real time, so you can immediately start segmenting them. So. Particular use case on of, of this, which we we use a lot, a feature would be that uh, we deploy like an intent collection survey. Like typically, you, right. it's always a good idea to learn more about like why your users are there, what are they hoping to get out of the app, and you can ask them that with like a simple like multi-choice question on the, on the very first session of the app. Um, we can store that information and then immediately start customizing them into like you know different onboarding tracks based on. Uh, what they're there to do, or if it's a content right. app, then what kind of genres of content are they interested in? You know, some of that stuff you might eventually build natively into your onboarding flow in the product, but uh, we find that this is a really quick way to like test and learn um, right. and sort of rapidly prototype um, advanced onboarding flows that are, that are super personalized. Yeah, those were some very impressive numbers, especially what you described with what you guys did with Blinkist. I'm wondering if that sort of uplift is perhaps because an in-app message is just an, a very virgin channel, right? If, I mean, if you're looking at PNs, I have 10 different PNs on my phone, mm -hmm. but if I'm in the app, as you said, it's very in your face. It's hard to miss. There's just no competition for it. I, do you think that explains why it's so effective? Uh, I think it's part of it, right? I mean, I think you have to think about like what is an in-app message like really at heart. As I said, it's a small interaction with the user. So you're essentially overriding the user experience while the yeah. user is literally got the phone out and they're like looking at the screen. So you've already got their attention, right? These other channels like push notifications and email, you're hoping to somehow get their attention at some point. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. like a little sound effect, like a ping, and hopefully they check their their messages, or they maybe they're going to read through their email inbox later. But yeah. these notification channels, they're about trying to redirect the user's attention. With an in-app message, you already got the user's attention. Sure. Um, and with that great power comes great responsibility, of course. Yeah. Because, uh, this is why designers often hate the idea of in-app messages. Like usually, yeah. if there's 
tension in the team. It's usually between the product or the design team and the growth marketing team that, that sees the, the value of this channel. Because when you've got somebody's attention, yeah, you can then direct them to another part of the app. You can you know, deliver them a very segmented, very personalized message. But at the end of the day, you're getting up in their face yeah. and you're, you're showing them something. So it better be valuable. And uh, of course, you can measure the impact of that. So you can iterate towards higher value, higher conversion rate. But yeah, it, uh, it's but yeah, we, we routinely see like just insane conversion from in yeah. just, just exactly because of that. And secondly, yeah, it's kind of you have that responsibility to to measure the results carefully and not just looking at the results you want to see, like how many people are clicking on the button and or how many people are doing the action that you're trying to drive them to, but also the negative effects like are people uninstalling the app are yeah. people kind of churning out of the app after having received these things. So, indeed, indeed. And as you said, great power, great responsibility. Yeah. Right? You touched in this conversation earlier on child segmentation that's so crucial to making in-app messaging work. Mm-hmm. Right? Even though it sounds when you had a blink as was just even without the segmentation, you did yeah. say segmentation so crucial. I would imagine part of what you want to achieve via segmentation is uh, understanding the probability of, let's just say, somebody lapsing or and just reacting to it accordingly, uh, or somebody who is kind of on the fence about making a purchase and showing them a tailored pop-up, tailored in-app message. Right? Yeah. How do you think about this sort of predictive messaging? Yeah, I think it's like the next, uh, the next level, right? It's, it's yeah. where everyone's trying to get to. Um, there's a lot of hype around machine learning, churn prediction yeah. models, and propensity scoring in general. This is also a topic yeah. which I, I really love, and I've worked on quite a bit. Even in my days at SoundCloud, we were working on various propensity scoring models and like pre-calculation stuff. Um, I think it's really fertile ground for that next level of personalization. Um, I'm personally a bit wary about anybody who claims to have built this on a generic level because I'd love to see something yeah. where you can basically just plug in a few variables and it generates your propensity score for the user to do X or Y. Yeah. You know? But I, uh, I've seen a lot of kind of products claiming that they can do this with just sort of vague references to AI and machine learning, but I haven't seen this working, uh, you know, in a sort of any way generic way. And actually also I've seen a lot of good companies with smart engineers and data sciences that scientists um, kind of struggle to build, a, you know, propensity or prediction models, which are, which are much more accurate than just flipping a, you know, flipping a coin. Um, yeah. it, these are hard problems to solve. I'm not saying that, I'm sure. um, that it's not possible to get there, but uh, yeah, yeah, they're tricky. So um, yeah, back to your kind of question. I think you raised a couple of, of you know, specific ones there, like so propensity to churn, propensity to lapse, right? Like so, uh, I, I'm all for being pragmatic, right? Like we got pretty far at SoundCloud when I was there running the retention team, um, just with like a fairly basic model, which wasn't you know wasn't AI prediction or anything like this. We just literally looked at, we just looked at the whole user base. And we kind of mapped out like, okay, like if we would contact people and try and get them back into the app, you know, like um, how many days should they be inactive? Like, and, and we just basically literally just mapped out like the graph of like, okay, if we, if we, if we contact them one day later, like they're, they're, they're pretty likely to come back, right? If we contact them three days later, they're a bit less likely to come back. If we contact them five days later, they're even less likely. And, and, and that, that will always be the case, right? You'll see that kind of drop off. 
Um, but what we wanted to look at was like, you know, what is the right kind of frequency to try a sort of reactivation or re-engagement message that has a kind of a, a bit of a step change if you leave it later that like actually like a lot of people just don't come back. And with, with SoundCloud, we, we found about five days was like a pretty good way to do that just for an average, right? But that's not a propensity scoring system. That's, yeah. that's just like how we figured out how to do a, you know, a very generic uh, reaction timing. Now, if you're yeah. going to do like scoring on that stuff, um, yeah, I think like, uh, you know, then, then you can really go, do it down to like user specific level, right? Because ideally you want to be looking at like the natural usage frequency of specific users. Um, maybe probably you can cluster them into a few different segments if you don't want to do like user level segmentation, but you kind of want to look at that user's history. Um, you know, maybe they've been around for a while and maybe they only come once or twice a week and maybe that user, you know, they're just very active on weekends, for example. Maybe they're working really hard during the week. Maybe there's another user who's unemployed and they're on it like almost 24 hours a day and you can, you know, you don't want to necessarily treat those two users the same. So something that actually looks at their sort of history and then tries to sort of project that forward is, you know, that's kind of how these models typically work. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, and then you can kind of come to like a, you know, better understanding of like when's the right time to interact. But it's, it, it's hard to do that modeling in a way which, which works well. Um, and then like with the purchasing, I think there's kind of another way you can look at that. Again, without going into super deep like machine learning approach. And the way that we look at it and we've had some success at, at Feature is to, um, to go, go with a kind of an intent model. We're looking for any, sh any signs of intent to purchase which you can break down into a few different levels of intent. Have they ever liked on a, a feature which is behind the paywall? Like have they kind of investigated things which are actually paid features um, to, just to sort of in their course of using the app, right? And if they, if they have done that, they've at least shown like interest in stuff that you're charging for. Right. If they've actually interacted with the paywall at all, albeit that they didn't actually end up making an in-app purchase or, or going for a subscription, that would indicate a good level of purchase propensity. If they started a free trial and then dropped out, right. like you know, that, that could be a good good indication that there's a there's a high propensity yeah. to purchase. You, they just you just haven't got them across the line yet. So I would argue um, you can get pretty far with that logic yeah. uh, before going into again like a sort of a trying to build a, a deep machine learning model. Not that I've got anything against machine learning. Um, yeah. you know, we also building these models here at, at Feature. It's just like I know from personal experience they're hard, and I've I've also seen. A lot of companies sink a lot of time into them and, and not get an awful lot of value out of them. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what have been some of the most surprising things you have seen when you've tested in-app messaging? Uh, so with in-app messaging specifically, I mean, I think we already touched on like, you know, the, the crazy impact that we yeah. see. It's, uh, it's really been, been pretty impressive. I remember even from like SoundCloud days, like, and that I guess comes to my second thing. I mean, we see crazy conversion anyway, for all the reasons I just described. I mean, you're getting in someone's face while you've got their attention. You will get a lot of people clicking on the call to action. You, you, will, you will be able to drive people to, to places in the app that they maybe never were before. Um, yeah. Uh, you, but um, I guess another thing which I've been consistently impressed or surprised by perhaps is how willing people are to to answer questions so that's a full-on survey with lots of questions in it yeah. or just like mini survey like the intent collection that I, I mentioned earlier where you might just ask them a simple yeah. question with a multiple choice yeah. uh, people actually really like being asked for their opinion about things an app yeah. doesn't often 
ask them like, or for some yeah. input from themselves. It's mostly they're just consuming content from the app. And yeah. Yeah, people yeah, respond yeah. very well to it. And uh, say, particularly, you know, we see a lot of these apps. And I'm, f I'm from the mobile app you know, development space. I used, to, I used to make mobile video games. Like this, that was my background. But, um, so I'm, I'm very much familiar with the concept of a techie company or even a lone developer sitting in a dark room coding something away and you know yeah. content recommendation always works really well um yeah i mentioned the blinkist example that was very untargeted that was their first test into that i think they're building out more, more targeted recommendations now um and yeah finally i think one thing which is maybe not surprising exactly but something which uh, you have to learn when you're using uh, in apps is this idea of having trigger points it's not just that you, you target the segment and then everyone in that segment receives it You've got a segment target. So let's say I'm targeting, uh, I don't know, new users on their third day, right? So the only people eligible to receive that campaign are people who are seen in the app on their third day. Uh, but then I have a trigger point as well. So let's say the trigger point is, uh, you know, we trigger the message when they add something to the shopping basket, add, you know, an add to cart event. And so then my reach suddenly is much lower on that message because I'm only, not only am I seeing just users right. on the third day, but it's actually a much much smaller subset of those users because right. only those right. who hit the trigger point. And I think when you're doing calculating, for example, you know how long it's going to take for an experiment to reach significance, or right. how many users are going to be exposed to a certain um, experiment yeah. treatment, uh, it's important to be able to bear that stuff in mind because that's very different from a push notification or an email that you're blasting to the entire segment. Yeah, if your reach is so small, then there's just no point, right? If it's yeah. just so down funnel, yeah. Yeah, and, and also, you know, that it's unpredictable because you don't know right. how many people are going to trigger that event on a given day. I mean, right. You might have historical data that should be able to give you an idea, but yeah. still, there's an element of um, unpredictability yeah. about yeah. this channel. Yeah. And uh, for an app that has never done an app messaging before, mm -hmm. where, do, where do you recommend they begin? What should they look for in terms of infrastructure, or what would their low, lowest hanging fruit be for an app that's never done this before? Yeah, uh, good point. So infrastructure, I, I really don't advise like trying to build it yourself. Um, you know, if you're really on a budget, uh, I think even Firebase uh, supports in-app messaging now. Um, now. If you're really on a budget and you're just starting out building a simple app, uh, I think you know it's a good place to start, and it's. It's got a, you know, a bunch of functionality, which is quite helpful to developers. So, and then in terms of low-hanging fruit, where to start testing your first messages, uh, I really advise working on the onboarding flow. Uh, you do this thing called adaptive onboarding, which I've already alluded to, where you just target, you, like, you figure out what are your key features, your key screens in the app, things that you would want any new user to go and experience um, and that you see are tied to better activation rates. And then literally just... Uh, target users who haven't done those things and and, right. and educate them about them and uh, ideally deep link them to those features of those screens with the CTA button. And if you just do that, if you use the the built-in message templates, which probably don't look super native for you, you can still probably get impact above and beyond what you'd have without running those campaigns. And then I guess the sort of a next step would be to build some custom templates. I'm going to give a little plug now for a feature we've built, a uh, in-app message studio, which basically allows people to build like super native looking templates. We call it Blender. Okay. Um, and that's that's super helpful for, for folks who who just don't want to get into the nitty gritty of coding HTML and, and CSS. Yeah. Um, but you can build them yourself. So you just need some, some front end experience.
Indeed, and we'll link to Blender in the show notes and the transcript uh, awesome. for people to check out as well. Andy, uh, this has been such a privilege to have you on the Mobile User Acquisition Show. I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Uh, thanks, Shaman. Um, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's Andy Carvel. Uh, you can uh, check out uh, Feature, which is the mobile growth consultancy, which I uh, co-founded, uh, which is uh, www.feature.com, P-H-I-T-U-R-E.com. Uh, and there's information about Blender on there as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Andy, for being on the show. Thank you, Shaman. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. If any of this was helpful or instructive, I would love for you to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcast fix. This podcast takes a ton of time, effort, and love to produce, and I deeply value every review and every piece of feedback that you share. Thank you for listening, and I will look forward to sharing our next episode soon.